In 2015, Archbishop Raja and Bishop Steve asked me to run a campaign called Walk with Rwanda, a project to make the Anglican Church of Rwanda financially self-sustaining. You might have remembered hearing about it a few years ago. Well, after years of heartbreak and toil, the Anglican Church has now opened up two commercial office buildings and is well on its way to, substan uh, to sustainability. But back in 2015, we had some land, a dream, and just a few thousand dollars to work with. Uh, it was a big blank canvas. And in the last six months of 2015, I spent 12 weeks on the road visiting churches all across the United States trying to raise money. It was brutal. Um, long flights back and forth from Rwanda, weeks on the road without my family, so many rental cars, I can't even, I can't even remember them all. And one night, I took a red eye from LAX to Roanoke, Virginia, where I was supposed to meet some donors the very next morning for uh, a Virginia Tech Duke football game. Uh, it was pretty awesome. We got box seats uh, that the donor had bought. And by the way, Duke won in quadruple overtime. I flew into Phoenix, and then after a delay, went to Charlotte, but when I arrived at 4.50 a.m. in Charlotte, the flight to Roanoke had been canceled. Not just delayed, canceled. And so I knew that I had to make it up to, to meet with this donor. So I rented a car in Charlotte and I drove three and a half hours north. And as I drove, which was, which was beautiful, it was like October, I think October 24th or something like that. And it was up the Blue Ridge Parkway. So it was beautiful foliage everywhere. But as I drove, I just kept telling myself, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. It was scary. I finally had to pull over and, and go over to the side of the road where it was safe to sleep for about 30 minutes before getting back into the car and getting back on the road to Roanoke. And I made it just in time. But I knew I had to stay awake. If I lost focus, if I let myself slip, I would drift off the road and into disaster. Stay awake. Stay awake. And today is the first Sunday of the Christian New Year, the first Sunday of Advent. And this year we will walk through the Gospel of Mark together. And our text from the Gospel comes from Mark this morning. Advent, arrival, coming. From a cultural perspective, this period of time is all about the lead-up to consumer Christmas, right? With cloyingly sweet veneer of nostalgia. Think Hallmark movies that are now populating all of our Netflix accounts. But Advent. But for Christians, Advent is something very strange and different. It's a call to stay awake, to live our lives in light of the Incarnation, but also in anticipation of the final coming of the kingdom of God. And this is why we read scriptures that anticipate that final coming. We read scriptures about the end of the world while preparing for Christmas. Dark and strange and otherworldly. Such are the words of Jesus in Mark 13 this morning. But in those days after tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. 
And he will send out his angels to gather his elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaf, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. A great cosmic upending. A time when the world turns inside out and the world seems so stable and immovable, the world that seems so stable and immovable dissolves in the face of eternity. And that's a terrifying picture. And texts like this and many images in the book of Revelation have occasioned terror and obsession about how this will take place. When will this take place? But the most important words from this text come from when Jesus tells us what to do in light of this knowledge. But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, and when he comes, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper. Therefore, stay awake. Can everybody hear me? Give me a thumbs up. Okay, good. Therefore, stay awake, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. No one knows the day or the hour. The incarnation of Jesus was the fulfillment of Israel's longing, and yet it was radically unpredictable and different from what anyone imagined. When Israel longed for a Messiah, they did not picture Mary and a feeding trough. I see no reason why Christ's second coming won't be the same. Strange, surprising, beyond all our hopes and imaginations and expectations. Jesus says, we can't foresee this. There's no math that we can do with verse numbers or star charts to figure this out. Jesus doesn't ask us to figure it out. No one knows but the Father. No, but he does ask us to stay awake. He does ask, and so we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean for us to stay awake as individuals and families as a church? Well, by stay awake, I think Jesus means two main things. One, live ready to meet Jesus. Live ready to meet Jesus. And two, being alert to his presence and calling on our lives. Be ready to meet Jesus and be alert to his presence and calling on our lives. So first, live ready to meet Jesus. What if I had drifted off to sleep on that drive to Roanoke? The smooth road leading to the edge and off it into the abyss which stands between us and the resurrection. No Ivan or Iris my wife, a young widow, and for me, meeting with the Lord face to face. And as much as I long to see him, I am grateful that it was not yet my time. But the truth is, we are frail people. 
No matter how strong we feel, no matter how beautiful and healthy we might be, death is always just over the side of the road or in our sleep. It is unexpected. We do not know the day or the hour of that coming either. And so either in his second coming to us or in our coming to him, we aren't really in control. And so a call to stay awake means to live so that if at any point heaven is torn asunder or your heart stops beating, you are in the most fundamental sense ready. And by this, I don't mean frantically stocking up food in your basement, which my mother did in preparation for Y2K, or to check everything off of an expansive bucket list as quickly as possible. What I mean is this, have you forgiven what needs to be forgiven? As far as it is possible with you, are you at peace with those the Lord has given you to love? And in terms of the work of your hands, are you on a ship to Tarshish, running from your calling, or are you on your way to Nineveh? The direction reveals your heart. And Paul, Paul wanted to make his way all the way to Spain to proclaim the gospel, and he never did. But he was awake. He was ready. He was moving in that direction. And it was God's job ultimately to accomplish his purpose through Paul. And he did, after all, get the gospel to Spain. Being ready to meet the Lord isn't about being fearful. And this is so important when we talk about texts about the end of the world. Being ready to meet the Lord doesn't make us fearful. Staying awake gives us peace. We come to terms with our own earthly finitude and God's ultimate grace in our lives. And that allows us to embrace each moment of our life for what it is. It's a gift. And so the first thing we do is we live our lives ready to meet him whenever that coming is. And second, be alert to his presence and calling on your life. I'm remembering what seasons are like in New England. Days grow longer and shorter, so much shorter. It's dark at like 4 p.m. now. The leaves and soil cycling through life and death and resurrection. And it makes me realize how different life must have looked for people in New England a few hundred years ago. There were no fresh tomatoes on salads in January. Their lives followed the contours of their surroundings so much more closely than ours do now. And our technological advances make it so much easier to forget where we are. Our grocery stores change only slightly in the days as the days and months turn. Much of our work plugging away at keyboards and staring at pixels remains the same throughout the year. And for all the massive benefits of our modern life, and they are massive, we also become numb. We become numb to ourselves and our surroundings, to our longings and dreams. We simply get carried down the streams of life that do not lead us home, but into the wilderness. We lose sight of our own dependence on God. And we can become blind and deaf to a world that simply carries us along. 
And especially in this pandemic, when my entire social life happens through a screen, it's easy to simply be anesthetized by monotony and isolation. It's easy to fall asleep on the road and become numb to the Lord's leadings and movements and callings in my life. I can take the ball eye off, I can take my eye off the ball and miss things that matter most in the kingdom. Jesus wants us to take note of the world around us, to see it for what it is, and not just what it appears to be. Our world around us is ultimately temporary, not eternal. And being awake to that view gives us perspective. Being awake to our lives allows us to pursue what will last. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. His words in scripture and his word that he buries deep in each and every one of us. There are so many of us who drift half-heartedly through life. We settle into rhythms and patterns and habits, forever putting off the things that we really long for in place for distractions. We kick the can down the road constantly on what God might be calling us to do. And in a way, this is even worse than what Jonah does. At least Jonah runs the other way. At least he makes a decision. So often we make decisions simply by default. We just slide aimlessly into places. Asleep. But the Lord is calling. The Lord is asking us to stay awake. Stay awake to his presence in our lives. Stay awake to what he's calling us to in each and every season. Belonging to Jesus is many things. He promises that it will be abundant life and sufferings, crucifixion and new life. In Acts and the epistles, we see that following Jesus meant a good portion of each of these for his disciples. But come what may on this journey of being with Jesus, it is not boring. To belong to Jesus, to follow Jesus, is an invitation to be fully awake to life. To be aware of the adventure that he calls each and every one of us and us as a community on. An adventure that will scare you to death. An adventure that will awaken loves and hopes and longings and desires and joys in you that have been domesticated and placated by lesser objects of our affection. We settle. We settle for things because we're asleep. Instead, pursue what won't pass away when the stars begin to. The word. Jesus' words will not pass away. And to be awake is to pursue that word in your life, to pursue Jesus. And in pursuing Jesus, to have all the other pursuits of our life fall into their proper place behind and beneath his lordship. Stay awake. Stay awake to what God is calling you to and inviting you into. Live ready to meet Jesus and be alert to his presence and calling on your life.
You know who was awake? Mary. She was a teenage girl who must have been terrified. The coming of Jesus was unexpected to her, like everyone else, and especially for her, it was world-shattering. She waited for him to stir inside her, and she was the first person to know and long to see his coming. She, perhaps the first person who truly longed to welcome Jesus in his advent. She was ready to meet the Lord on his timing and certainly not on her own. Mary was also alert to God's calling on her life. Now, to be fair, uh, Gabriel made it pretty darn clear what her calling was. But unlike Zechariah, Mary fully submits to this unbelievable task that Jesus, that the Lord has given her. She submits to God's invasion of her expectation and desires. It was Mary who sheltered Jesus in her womb. Mary, who along with Joseph went to Egypt as a refugee. Mary, who tells the wedding attendants to listen to her son. Mary, who watched Jesus carry that cross. She was a woman awake. Awake to the presence of God, to his coming, to his calling and purpose in her life. New life that was stirring and kicking in her before the world around her even understood that the king was on his way. And we too, we too are called to sense the stirring of Christ and new creation in us to anticipate and long for his coming, even when the world around us doesn't see it yet, to stay awake, ready to meet him, and alert to his calling on our lives. And so this Advent, this new Christian year, ask yourself some of these questions. How can I stay awake? Am I ready to meet Jesus. Lord, what adventure are you calling me to? And have I settled for cheap pleasures in life rather than the deeper joys that you've invited me to be a part of? Because everything will pass away, but the word, the word will remain forever. Stay awake. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come to us. That, Lord, when we could not find our way to you, that, Lord, you took us by the hand and led us to the Father. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that your Spirit stirs in us and awakens hope that we might seek you now and always and be ready for your coming. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.